Um, you know, I was really inspired by Pastor Lee's message Wednesday night. And if you didn't get a chance, I, I would encourage you to go to the website and find um, the Wednesday night sermon. Uh, he ministered, at the, it was the beginning of a series on the kingdom of God about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And uh, it, it, it is a, it's a, you know, we're close to the end. I mean, I think we can all smell it. You know, we can all feel it. And that we can see heaven on the other side. That we can see that glorious kingdom. And, and it, it, it moves us to set our affections not on things in the earth, but on him. Um, and I had another topic that I was going to minister on this morning, and I was thinking about that Wednesday night sermon, and it just it just turned into more of it. So that's where we're going to go. But I was still writing uh, in the previous hour from now, like from eight to nine o'clock hour, and I need your prayers. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of who you are. We love you, Lord. We give you honor and thanks. And we long for your glorious appearing when you call us. When that trumpet sounds and we meet you in the air. How beautiful it will be. And we can trade these defiled bodies, these broken bodies for a new body. And dwell with you forever. How beautiful, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word. As we reach to have your spirit. Take us where you would have us to go. Um, fill by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I guess the question is, when, when you see Jesus face to face, when you meet him there, uh, what treasure will you have to offer him? Because, you know, when it's talking about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven... Those are things that we will be presenting to him. You know, it says that, we'll, that the elders will be casting their crowns, the crowns that they have earned at his feet there. What treasure will we have to present to him? In Matthew 13, I'd like to start there. In verse 44... As again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buys that field. And of course, we, at least I have been told, that, you know, I'm that person who finds a treasure in the field, you know, and the treasure is Jesus and for joy of finding him, I sell it, you know, I give up everything else so I can have him. But that's not really what the parable is talking about. Jesus was looking for a treasure, and, and in you, he found that treasure. But you were buried in a field, right? I mean, we were in the dirt, you know, we, we were uh, unredeemed, unsaved. We were not fit for heaven. But he so wanted us. That he bought the whole field, the world, paid for by his blood, that he could have that. And we, we've been hidden in a field, but he has found us and dug us 
out and he is he is sanctifying us he's he's cleansing us he's washing that dirt off of us that we can be presented to him a beautiful bride it's that bride of christ that he was looking for you're the you are you're his purpose you are what he wanted out of all of this why would he say let there be light you know in the beginning was you know he created the heavens and the earth what why would he even bother he was good you know he was okay he didn't need any of this he didn't need the fall of man he didn't need the rebellion in heaven a third of the angels going to, he didn't need all that but he wanted you i mean we are literally his purpose that he would it would in all things be glorified wow that is just that's so much so if we are his treasure what kind of treasure will we present to him when we appear before him well, you know what crown will you lay at his feet and in matthew chapter 6 we will go there and in verse 19 Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so my question is, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where... Is, is your heart on him? You know, where is your heart? Colossians 3.2 tells us that it tells us to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Where, where is your heart? Where are your affections? I mean, it's a, that's a question we really should be asking ourselves. And it, and it doesn't just say maybe to look there, but to set your affections on things above. It makes me think of that verse in the Old Testament that I have set my face like a flint that I shall not be moved. That we are to set, there's so many distractions. It's not just a casual looking, but that he's calling upon us to set our affections on things above, not on things in the earth. That's not an automatic, Right? You know, there, there's so much coming at us all the time. And he, he's calling upon us to set our affections there, our heart that it would be there, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. You know, we're called, we're called citizens of heaven. It says our citizenship is in heaven from whence. So we're already there, right? We're, that, that's our citizenship. We just happen to be walking through this right now. That our citizenship is in heaven and it's from there that we look for the Savior. So while we are here looking for Jesus' return, we are, we are citizens of heaven. If we see ourselves as that kind of citizen and this just the place that we're passing through, then... That that brings us to a place where we can set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. In Luke chapter 9, 
it speaks to this. Luke chapter 9 and in verse 51. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. Talking about Jesus. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. This was a thing that made no sense at the time. There were enemies arrayed against him in Jerusalem. But he knew that his time was come, that he'd be delivered up. And he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Do you see the, the, um, the determination, you know, the, the single-mindedness? And when it says to set your affections, that's what I'm seeing in that. Also, in Acts chapter 20, you know, we think, well, that's Jesus. He could do that. What about me? But in Acts chapter 20, we see the same kind of resolve from the Apostle Paul. And in verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Only that the Holy Ghost witnesses that, you know, there be a lot of things that will befall me. You know, that I'll be bound and, and all these other things that are going to come unto me. But I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. I'm going. And, and if you read further, you see that there were attempts to talk him out of it. There are always going to be attempts to talk you out of the affections that you have, that your heart is set on him. There are always going to be that. And it's always a question, where is my heart? Where is it? You know, we can direct our hearts into the love of God, the Bible says. You know, our hearts are, aren't something that just happened to us, but we can happen to our hearts by feeding it the word of God, by feeding it in prayer and in praise, and our hearts be directed into the love of God. It's, yes. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved... Brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, there is a reward for it. There is a treasure being laid up in heaven, being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know it's not in vain. You know that, that what you're doing isn't just something that happened and it's gone. Like so many of our endeavors, we do it and then it's, it's over, you know, it, 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 it's gone. You know, it, it might even be something that's famous, but a hundred years from now, nobody will know of it, right? But those things, abounding in the work of the Lord, steadfast, unmovable, you know those things are not in vain. Those moments have been captured for eternity and they show up as your treasure. That you will present to him. Don't we want to appear before him. With a full reward. I do. I really do. And you know time is a funny thing. I don't believe that, that God. Uh, exists in the state of time. It, it's, it's something that. Sometimes I feel like we're trapped in. You know that time has just got me like this. And it's, it's just kind of moving me along. Uh, sometimes 
I'm going along with it well. Sometimes it's just sort of dragging me along and or by the nape of my neck. And it's elusive, time is. You know, we use it to mark our lives, um, to set schedules, to, you know, to plan. And all of these things are necessary. You know, last night we, uh, we marked 50 years for Billy and Rose. And, and you know, that's a, a measure of time. Yet, 50 years didn't happen yesterday. Yesterday was just a, a day. It was a moment in time. It's, time is, it's funny like that. I hope that wasn't me. No, my phone doesn't make that sound. Okay. Um, if we try to grab time and keep it, it just slips out of our hands. You know, that moment just, it's gone and it's, it's in the past and you can never recover it. Um, yet the Bible tells us to redeem the time. So how do, you, how do you put that together? It tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. We understand that means that, that we are to devote ourselves and our days and our hours to devote our time to the purposes of God, to the will of God, to the glory of God. But, you know... Religion leads us in, in directions that, we, that are not good for us. It makes me think of a bumper sticker I've seen. And, uh, maybe you've seen it. I don't know. I've only seen it a few times. Kind of silly. Jesus is coming back. Look busy. Right? You ever seen that? I'm like, okay. But that really is... Kind of, that is re- what religion wants to do. Jesus is coming back, better get busy. You know, I've got stuff to do. And that's not the heart of what he is telling us when he says to redeem the time. You know, it's not about looking busy. It's not even about being busy. You know, the religious excel at that. And yet it was the ones who who were so conscientious to do every little thing and to do it right. And they were the best people. They were always the best people in the room. They really were. And they were the ones that called for Jesus to be crucified. They were the ones that put him to death. They were the ones that Jesus said that you're a devil. So, no, it, it, it's not about how busy we are. It's about practicing the presence of God. You know, it's about turning aside to see that burning bush. And I love what Pastor Lee uh, has said about this. I never thought about this. Take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Because he didn't want anything standing between him and the presence of God. You know, just take those shoes off. Be right, right there with him. Practice that presence of God. Be with him with your whole heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your heart? It's about fellowship. Uh, 
in the book of 1 John. And there's so much that could be said about this. But we'll just look at a couple of verses here. In chapter 1 and in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we've heard of Him, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship one with another, and Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we get real, if we talk to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. If I said I don't sin, <laughs> I'm making him a liar. And his word is not in me. It is the joy of our life here, even when we, we groan for that new creation to be made manifest, that we, that we groan within ourselves along with all of creation for Jesus' appearance, for him to make things right, even now, it is, the, it is the privilege of the Christian to be able to come to him and say, Lord, I did this. I want to talk to you about this. He's faithful and just not only to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How beautiful it is to have that, that freshness, you know, that, that oil of anointing really is what it is that comes upon us when, when we have... When we have come to God and we've talked to him. And again, it makes me think of Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. This, I don't know. I started thinking about these things again because we went to the um, Ark Encounter uh, last week. And man, that place. Whew, I highly recommend it. it it's overwhelming. It's, it really is all that and much more. Uh, and, it, and I started thinking again about, you know, about the world before Noah, about Adam and Eve and all this. And you know, they were walking in perfection, the perfection that we are looking forward to. And yet they were given an option, they were given a mandate, and, and by sin they fell. And what happened then is then they're walking in the garden, hiding themselves. And this is what we do when we fall out of fellowship with God is we hide ourselves. And he wants to talk to us. And that's what he wanted to do with Adam and Eve. Where are you? Why would he say, where are you? He knew where they were. Well, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. You know, we were naked and we were afraid. Who told you that? You know, the Lord was beginning a conversation with them, a dialogue so that, why? So that they would talk to him. What have you done, he said. So they would talk to him. Why would he want them to talk to him? 
so he could redeem them. So that he could bring forth the, the plan of salvation, really. The redemption of mankind. He wants to talk to us. He wants, he wants for us to open our hearts and to talk to him about, about what we have done. About what has been done to us. So he can heal, restore, redeem, sanctify. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is so beautiful. <laughs> you know, these are perilous times. People are calling good evil. They're calling evil good. And, and it's like every day it's worse. It's really quite amazing. And on the other hand, it's exciting. Because you can really smell the end. You can, you know, you can sense how close he is. But at the end of time, people in the church now will have itching ears. And they will want to be hearing things that fascinate, that, you know, that are appealing to the flesh. You know, it's like the temptation in the garden. It, oh, it looks good. It's, it's something to be desired. You know, he's appealing to the flesh, something to make one wise. And it still ends up being, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's always been the trick of Satan. It's always where he's wanted to bring us to a works-based self-righteousness. That we, apart from God, that we can work out our own righteousness. And that has always been the curse. He's, and he does it through idolatry apart from him, but he really does it within the church. It's his constant attack to draw us away from the beauty of his grace and walking in, in, in him and letting him bring forth through us himself rather than than. Working out our own righteousness. And you know the Bible says that our, our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? I mean, at, at its best, it's still that. He's calling on us to allow him to live through us. <laughs> yes. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, i got to learn how to use this thing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 13. I think we'll start in 11. It says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And when you begin to, to bring forth the light of God in this world, people will hate you for it. And I just want you to understand they're not hating you. They're hating 
they're hating the Lord. You know, they're hating, and he, I mean, Jesus told his disciples that's how it would be. But they will, they will hate because men loved darkness rather than light. And, and because light exposes the darkness in them. Jesus said that in John chapter 3, that, that the condemnation is because men love darkness rather than light, that their, that their works would not be exposed. It is high time for us to wake up. Wherefore he saith in verse 14, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It is a time to wake up. And I mean, when we see what's going on in the world, is it not a call for us to wake up? It's, all, it's like a slap in the face every day. And do we go down the path of, oh my God, you know, everything's falling apart? Or, or do we follow the path into redeeming the time for the glory of God? I mean, to me, it's, it's really, it's an exciting time. It's a glorious time. I, I, I am, I'm thrilled to see where we as, as the church, where we will go. You know, how we will be. What the Lord will do with those who continue to walk with him. And then don't follow after things that, you know, that satisfy those itching ears but that we go after him with our whole heart, that we set our affections on things above. To redeem the time, well, let's continue to read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You know, circumspectly, it means, it means like eyes all around. You see what's going on around you. We're not blind to what's happening around us. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is redeeming the time. Those are moments that are captured for his glory. When we're speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks in all things. You know, we, you know, we look at the things that are happening in our lives and it's so easy to complain. But literally giving thanks for all things, in all things, for all things. That morning um, when my wife Nancy died at home uh, and she died in my arms, and, you know, EMS came and, and Pastor Lee came and, and some other friends came. And um, the EMS people kind of made a mess of her. Um, 
and Nancy always, she was always so, you know, put together. And so when they left, um, I just wanted to hold her one last time. And, you know, I, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I just, she was there and I just wanted to hold her. Well, I straightened up her hair and I wiped her face. And I held her, and I thought maybe I would just hold her and cry for a while. And what rose up out of me was I just started thanking God. I just started praising Him. Thank you, God. Thank you for our life together. Thank you for the grace that you've shown in our marriage, for bringing me this wonderful person. How could this have happened to me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And in that in, in that thankfulness, he ministered to me so beautifully. And it, it, it put a sweetness on, on the problem in my life, you know. It put a, it, it, God's grace just put oil over all of that. And I think it also prepared me for greater things to come. Praise God. Sitting right over there. And, uh, and I do, I, th- I thank God every day. Beautiful. You know, our life is, is a vapor. We don't know what the next moment holds. I don't know. I don't know what the next moment holds. You don't either. And it behooves us to see our lives as as this moment in time that we're passing through this this broken place, you know, broken lives passing through a broken world, heading to a union with our perfect Lord who has redeemed us, who is sanctifying us. I mean, he searched the world over for us and we have such a glorious future looking us right in front of us. How beautiful that is and how that should motivate us to walk it out with him moment by moment. I mean, this is the only moment we have, right? In Romans chapter 13, and we'll close here. All right, Romans chapter 13. And in verse 11. And that knowing the time that it is now high time. Ever hear that phrase? High time. To awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Can't you feel it? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. It's almost here. You know, it's getting toward dawn. That's what that phrase is saying. It's getting toward dawn. Let us therefore... Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. It is, not a, it is not a time in the body of Christ for strife. It's not a time for envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And the walk in the, in the spirit is really a matter of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. There is no reforming the old man. The old man died with Christ. 
And you can't take that dead thing and make it better. All we can do is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, to, and for his life to live through us. Those moments last forever because they are building up treasures in heaven that we will present to him in glory. Man, I just, I don't know, that just... Um, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Burn your bridges. If you have an ace in the hole, we, we tend to want that, well, just in case, you know. And, and, and our trust then becomes in our retirement stuff or, or the prepping that we've done. Our trust is in the Lord. Bur, let's burn, if we would just burn our bridges and make him the only one, the, our only source, our only destination, our only sure thing, and do all the things reasonably in life that you think you should, as led by the Lord. And he is leading us in these things. You know, to be ready. To know what we should do next. He gives that wisdom. But he, he is our ace in the hole. We don't need any of those bridges to the past. We don't need any of those what-ifs. That ace that's just sitting there just in case. It's, we are all in, all in. So let's not let our moments just fall into eternity without having redeemed them. It's so easy for them to pass us by and just be gone. Let us redeem the time and laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You are the treasure that Jesus paid for. He sought you and, you and he bought you with his redeeming blood, the hymn says. We lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Oh my gosh. You know, Jesus was seeking you and, and he knew you before the world began even. What will that treasure look like when you stand before him? And what it brings me to is while I'm here, love. Forgive. Am I weary? Yes. Jesus said, all of you who labor, heavy laden, if you're weary, come to me. I will give you rest. He is our resting place. He is our, our hiding place. I'm here anointed of him to heal, to rescue, to forgive, to repent, <laughs> to save, to preach. You know, at the end of his life, Paul uh, encouraged Timothy by saying, be instant, in season and out of season. What does that mean? It means when he, when he was ready for something and when he wasn't ready for something. When he, was, when he felt like it and when he didn't feel like it. Regardless of the situation that you're in. When everything seems to be okay or when you're suffering. And we have suffering people. 
And we all suffer from time to time. Regardless, be instant, in season, out of season. Preach the word. You know, exhort, rebuke, comfort. Preach with all long-suffering and doctrine. We set our affections on things above. I love that active sense of setting, that, that it's not just a casual looking, but we set our affections on things above. Where is your heart? Where is my heart? It's on Him. And I pray that it is. Um, I'd like you to stand with me if you would. It's so easy to be discouraged and so easy to be distracted. And it's something that I think all of us fight constantly. But His Spirit dwells within and will guide us into the love of God. Will guide us into His will. Lord, I Bring us all before you. We are so needy. We're so um, we're so broken in so many ways. You, Lord, are our wholeness. I pray, Lord, move through us by your Spirit that we may touch one another with you, with your purposes, with your will, with the beauty of who you are. Glorify yourself, Lord, in us. Through us, even these broken vessels, Lord, fill with the oil of gladness. Love through us. Purchase the redemption of others through us, Lord. Give us a heart of love that you have, moved with compassion. We bless you, Lord. We give you honor and thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus.